0: Hey folks, Zach here from Traders for a Cause. I'm thrilled to share the very first Traders for a Cause podcast with you. As is often the case with something new, we had a few technical issues, notably with the audio recording levels, and I do apologize for this. I promise to fix them as we continue this new venture. Aside from that, I'm very pleased with how my conversation with Mr. Nate Michaud went, and I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen. Please enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Traders for a Cause podcast. My name is Zach Shellhas. I'm the Executive Director over at Traders for a Cause. This is our first episode and uh, bear with us because this is a learning curve for myself. But uh, the gentleman that I have sitting uh, at the other end of the screen here is definitely a seasoned professional at doing these interviews. So Mr. Nate Michaud, how's it going, buddy?
1: Wonderful. How about you?
0: It's going. It's going. We're... Uh, Trying to get this thing off the ground and and spread a little more uh, attention, a little more love about Traders for a Cause and what it is that we do. So, we thought it'd be a great outreach to uh, have some of these meetings and ask a few questions and maybe have a little fun, joke around a little bit. So, 2020 was an insane trading year. From what I'm seeing, every trader that I talk to is saying that it was absolutely nuts. What changed in 2020? that made it so different than any other year
1: um i would actually relate it to if you think about the uh short weeks that we have like when people are home you know back in the day with uh you know july 4th week or christmas week or around uh, january 1st you know more people are away from either college or their jobs they're at home and we start to have if you remember it's like we call it crack week and uh, all these runners just go nuts but now Everybody's at home every single day, so we literally have that every single week, and it started compound and compound and compound and compound over itself. So, um, maybe it was March or whatever when uh, COVID started to really you know kick it up a notch, and everybody started to stay home. You no longer have bosses over your shoulder; you don't have to hide your trading screen right? Uh, um, and you know, making your making your trades from your phone, whatever it may be, and you can actually try to. At least start a career out. Have, have a go.
0: Have a go at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's I, that's essentially it. We used to have these condensed, you know, three or four times per year, but now it's literally every single day.
0: Right, right. Well, as you know, I, I've I've taken a step back from you know actively being on a trade desk to run the charity and everything, but I can't tell you how many of my friends have reached out to me just in the past couple months, just saying like. Hey, uh, I'm thinking about opening up an account and starting, you know, trying to learn how to trade and everything. And and I, I feel like it's one of those businesses where almost like photography, like you buy an expensive camera and all of a sudden you're a photographer, you open up a trading account and all of a sudden you can call yourself a trader. It's like, it's an old, it's an old adage. I think a lot of that happened in 2020. I definitely, I definitely can see that. So you kind of chalk it up to a lot of dumb money. Is that kind of a, a way to look at it?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's it's really, you know, that since we hit bottom, we've literally gone straight up. So it's very hard to make a wrong move. Uh, obviously, you can if you're on the short side, you're staying short and you're trying to step in front of stuff. But sure majority of people that are just starting out, they probably don't even know what shorting is, right? right. So all you've had to do is buy and literally hold. And uh, it's just been like <laughs> you said, compounding because not only do they hold, but then you've got shorts coming in there because – these moves don't make sense right. and they're not selling right. and then it takes on the next leg so right. you are starting to have these um and in fact when when you were a little bit more active as well um you probably remember we had like the one and dones so, you know you had that one big move one day and you either got it or you didn't and it was over right, right. and we just would be like Oh, I just wish we had that secondary move, that, that next level, because sure. this could turn into such a good opportunity. Right. And that's exactly what's happening. They go up, they consolidate, and then they go again. Right. And it's offering just trades, literally, um, you know, a dozens per day.
0: Right, right. Now, would you say that the, the, the bigger edge is on the short or the long side of these moves, or both?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still obviously uh, prefer shorting. I am more, uh, comfortable, uh, higher conviction. However, uh, I would, I think I used probably 60 or 70% to the long side in, in the video that I did today, um, when I was talking about it. So that's a big transition for me, uh, because typically I, I am mostly short biased. However, um, you know, I've, I've adapted and, you know, kind of, like I said, you got to embrace the chase, right? What, what used to be crazy to even think about joining a name that might be up a hundred or 200% or joining a name that literally has doubled, doubled again for a potential breakout. That is where the money is. Right. Uh, the short strategy you just had to adapt. It's still the same old uh, good types of all day type fades, it's just, you got to tweak it a little bit. It might be an extra hour or two hours that you have to wait. It might be an extra day. Um, but as long as you are not fighting the trend and you're waiting for it, um, there's still plenty of opportunities. And the good part about it is the volume, uh, you know, the ability to get in and out and not have to really worry about liquidity uh, is... You know everybody's dream, right? Because there's nothing worse than having too much size, and the liquidity drives drives up, and, and you're stuck. So
0: I know that I know that feeling very, very well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get position, you're like, all right, this is great, everything's going well. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, where's the volume go? Yeah, yeah. You move the market. Like so you know, how, how do how do we get
0: out of this again? <laughs> yeah.
1: So you know that it's not really an issue. Uh, as long as you behave, you know, you still have to behave because, you know, there's been a couple, even just in the last couple of weeks, you know, you end up on the wrong side, all of a sudden it goes five or 10 points, you know, you've got 30, 40, 50,000 shares. I mean, that's, that's quick. That's a quick issue real quick. And, oh, yeah. and it happens. And um, I would say that the biggest change or the biggest uh, uh, thing to be aware of in this market is the circuit halls, you know, and, and it's, it's great when you're on the long side because, you know, for most of us, uh, you know, it's it's hard to let those winners compound. You know, you, you really always want to be patient, and things are going up and going up and going up. But when they start to circuit and go into the next circuit, and the next circuit, it <laughs> makes it a lot easier because oh, well, I just had to hold three circuit holes <laughs> when I did it. Right, right. So it's it, that's a little bit of a game changer as well. Flip side, if you're on the short side, not so fun. So
0: not uh, to mention it. Not to mention not if you're long. What's that? Not to mention if you're long and, and you get into a regulatory halt, <laughs> then, yeah. then you have the opposite problem, you know? Exactly.
1: We haven't had too many of those. I think maybe uh maybe one or two uh this year. Most of the time it's on OTCs, you know, things that are maybe um, you know, not fully up to filings or they're doing some type of merger but they keep on pushing it out and out and out and out. Um, sure. Things like that when they're shells you want to be cautious of. Of course. For the most part, uh, you know, there, there hasn't been too many of those and there hasn't been, you know, there's been offerings, which, you know, that's another game changer from prior years where, you know, you used to short and anticipate potential offerings based on, you know, financials and, and going through digging, not happening this year. You know, right, the, the, right. Offerings hot, right. the offerings are literally traps and then they just keep on going.
0: Crazy. Have you noticed the same thing with IPOs?
1: Uh, IPOs, I haven't paid as much attention to this year. Obviously, there's there's some, you know, you like the Airbnb, is the cash. Um, but you know, it hasn't been um, it, it hasn't been a, as big of a um, focal point for me. I would say SPACs for sure, which is kind of the new way of IPOing instead right. of going through that you know long drawn out process of you know filing and then six months later, a year later, you finally you know go public. Right. Um, you literally can go public tomorrow with uh, with a SPAC. So
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, it's a it's it's typically a pretty bad deal. It's it's not the best structure, but you know what? People don't care right now and um it's it's working. So Sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens in a year or two when all these things come, you know, it all comes in, but
0: Sure. Sure. For
1: now, we just have to embrace it.
0: Have to embrace it. So one thing that kind of like caught my attention in this market again it's hard to even stay away from it or ignore it is this the whole GameStop fiasco. Yeah. And I feel like anybody who is not a trader became interested in the markets because of this. Yeah. For me, for you guys that have been around this a long time, I was looking at it and thinking, okay, I mean it's it's obviously a big move, but it's a short squeeze. And I used to see these, you know, 10 or 12 times a year. Like it was no shocker. What was it about the GME move aside from the obvious, which is that Reddit drew attention to it? What was it that captured everybody's attention and drew? Was do you think it's just everybody learning about what short selling is, like the masses?
1: Yeah, there wasn't. I mean, there's always been short squeezes, like you said, but this one felt like uh, it was. It was almost like a movement of people getting together. You know, and us versus them. We're taking out the big money and. You know it, I mean, they, they ended up getting beat, right, of course, and, and you know, it, and who knows who was behind Reddit, who knows, you know, any of that, but um, it, it did feel different just because it, it felt like a full movement, it felt like people were doing the right thing to them, not not to us, but um, and you know, I, I had conversations where people were, were literally mad at the the suits at the hedge funds you know, well, they've been making all the money it's time for us to get back i'm like all right you you do that <laughs> but i'm telling you that you know when this comes in it's, it's going to come in and it's going to come in hard so um best of luck but i don't think it's a good strategy you're talking about one or two hedge funds that are blowing up and right. once that demand from their cover or once they unwind that position what next? You know, you're still buying into a company that is was borderline bankrupt, you know, just uh, just a year ago. So, I mean, good luck. <laughs> and and you, it was it was a bigger movement, I would say, uh, you know, than Bitcoin, right? So, if you go back, what two or three years? I think about three years to like Thanksgiving. You know, you you could not back when we could have Thanksgiving and things, <laughs> um, but you could not walk around. Your house if you had, you know, the, your family over without talking about it at least, you know, three or four times with different people. Sure. And, um, you know, I felt like that was the craziest movement. Like, wow, everybody's talking about it. Right. GameStop was, GameStop was like 10x, 20x that. I mean, I get right. texts from friends that I haven't talked to.
0: <laughs> Just some people that know that you're involved with stocks somehow. <laughs> what do you make of this?
1: It, but it's like nice catching
0: up with you. I haven't this high school, but yeah, it's been great. I I had a friend who's a uh, he, he's like a biotech guy, but he 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 works in a lab, and he told me that he he opened up a trading account, and he was like, "What do you make of this whole GME stuff?" And I'm like, I reserve all my opinion on that, you know. Go ahead. He's like, "Well, I didn't buy any GME, but I did buy some AMC." And hoped that the yeah. next day, it was down thirty percent. I'm like, "Oh god!" Yeah. Facepalm. They're
1: like, <laughs> still gonna lose all their <sighs> volume. Yeah.
0: Brutal, brutal, man. It's uh, it's insane. I, I've I've never seen so many people with absolutely no connection to the industry just their their imaginations just ran wild with it. Yeah.
1: At least AMC took a little of it they raised capital but i guess gamestop was you know afraid to of regulatory scrutiny and and just you know was like hands off and they had that opportunity to raise billions
0: right right oh yeah
1: and and they did and you know i I think that's crazy
0: they could have started the next nintendo (laughs)
1: literally um, For sure, but, you know, AMC still is going to need more money eventually, but you know at least they use that. They did it—I uh, forget if they did just the ATM. I think they did an ATM plus something else after. But you know they looked at all avenues to be able to say, hey, you know why not? Like it's sure. about staying in business at this point. So, um, but it is interesting because that movement probably did save AMC from bankruptcy. <laughs> Literally,
0: <laughs> what do you think it was? And if you don't know the answer to this you know, you can certainly pass on it. But what do you think fundamentally speaking is the reason why wall street bets decided to pick GME of all, of all.
1: It was, it was mostly because of the short interest. And I, and I, I vaguely remember it being like 250% or so like last year. And then I, it was slowly starting to kind of unwind, to maybe like 170, 150. And I think when this whole thing started, uh, it was around 150. So, uh, it might still be over a hundred which is is interesting in itself you know how can you short more than the flow? Um, and you know that that also that's an interesting thing that that I kind of looked into because you know if you think about when we short a stock right somebody's buying that but then that gives the ability to, for that broker whomever just purchased the the stock from your short to then loan that out and it's just a, a continual uh, trend of like, where did all these shares come from? Right, right. And, and that's interesting, that's interesting to me. And, and you know, I, I had always wondered, you know, on some of these one or 2 million share floats, like, well, what happens if somebody owns 2 million shares and there's really only 1 million out there? Like, how does that unwind? What, what happens, you know? Right, there's been right. And all that kind of stuff. So sure. it was actually interesting to see that play out. Um, but maybe maybe we'll see it happen on a million share flow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> perhaps, perhaps that's the, uh, that's the next time. So, um, all right, well, let's shift gears a little bit. So, you know, trading for you has been multifaceted in that you have a service that you're running and you've been running for many years now, in addition to trading. And obviously the trading income has been, you know, pretty outstanding. Um, when it comes to your service and, and building investors underground, and maintaining it, like, When the money is so good in trading itself, what is the, what's driving you? Like what is making, like what's, I guess we could put this into multi-part question. What drives your, uh, wanting to, to grow IU and what's next for IU? Like, where do you see it in the future? Where is it going?
1: It's, it's, that's like a confusing, uh, issue that I'm working through right now. Right. It's been like the most, uh, interesting last 12 months. I mean, first off, you know, I, I'm passionate about, you know, the whole community. I'm passionate about helping others. I, I get more excited. Even my best day ever. I'm more excited seeing the guy that may had his first six figure day or his first $10,000 day. Like that's more exciting than having my best day ever. Sure. Um, which is also the, the sad part about trading, right? Is our higher <laughs> highs are always a little bit lower, yeah. but our lows are always still like the worst. Yeah. Um, That's the best part about trading. No, but, um, you know, it it is confusing. I have a, an an incredible team, you know, around me. And if I didn't have that, you know, I would, I, you wouldn't be, um, around because I I just can't do it. Um, I am, you know, I, for those of you guys that know me, um, see me, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm all in all day trading. And, um, that's where my focus is. That's what I'm passionate about. um, but, you know, I've got a partner, Cam, that does also trade, but his passion is building a business and and, and making that that business grow and things like that. I've got Josh and I've got Max uh, as well as many others, but they're all traders to some degree. I've met them all within, but they all have their own strengths and their own passions in other places. So that's really what allows us to do what we do. And what I tell people is... You know, if, if we didn't have this, then there's nothing else like it. So, you know, where would I get the information? Where would I get the team? Where would I trade with veterans that, you know, are all kind of identifying market opportunities? So um, that's why I do what I do. That's why we do do it. Um, You know, I don't see anything happening in the next, you know, short while, but it is, it is, like I said, it's a very confusing time because, you know, I've, I've hit all numbers that I, I ever, you know, thought that I would, you know, get to, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the problem is that I've said many times when you get there, then all of a sudden, you know, your next target is double
0: what's next. Double. Yeah, sure.
1: And so how long does that go on? And am I going to be doing that at 40, 50, 60, 70? And it's going to, I'm going to look back and say, well, I should have, I should have been a good with, with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, how much is enough?
1: Exactly. And so I, I those questions, I've had conversations with people that are just insanely better than me about, you know, what does it take to get to the next level? And one of those things is, is really, you know, I've done a lot more position trading and taking on more size and, and letting things work and carrying stuff overnight. Um, but in order to really get to that next level and that next Huge level, it involves a lot of overnight, big picture, big size swings. Right, and I don't know if that's for me. Uh, so that's what I've been kind of going back and forth with. That's what I've been trying to kind of determine. Like I'm, I'm in the best place that I've been. Um, you know, in, in physically, emotionally, psychologically, like everything <laughs> is good. So why would I want to screw that up? Why pushing <laughs> and pushing and pushing?
0: Right. Why well, throw uh, a wrench in it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's a confusing time and that's what I'm going through right now to try to figure that out. It's a good problem to have. For sure. Uh, but, you know, I don't foresee anything changing in the, in the near term uh, because this is always going to be my passion. It's just for me, it's about finding the right people that could um, maybe broaden the scope of what we have and, and uh, offer you know some uh, value. Uh, I've been trying to add different people to do different webinars and things like that, so that it's not just you know central or you know focused on one person. I've always tried to expand it, but the problem is, is you know people are, are excited about it, and then they start trading exceptionally well, and then it's you know it's it's not as important to them. So right. uh, it's always a tough thing to do, but uh, you got to find your right people, and, and if, if and when you do, you just got to <laughs> roll with it, take care of them, and, and make sure they're happy.
0: I think about one of your uh, speeches, notably. I think it was in 2017 when we went to the uh, Market Rebellion, the their, the co- John and Pete's conference in Vegas. One of the first things that you said in your speech was talking about, you know, if you're always thinking about the next Rolex or the next sports car, you know, and that's and that's what really drives you, then just stop. Just stop because you, because it's not going to end well. Yeah. So why don't you talk about what? what seriously drives you? I mean, I know a lot of you guys just love the art of trading. Just, just the act of trading. Like it's just, right. you know, you get high on it, but, um, other guys really are motivated strictly financially by the money. What, yeah. what drives, what drives Nate to, to get better and better every day? Um,
1: I mean, I, it's, I, I have a, a Garmin, by the way, no <laughs> Rolex, just a Garmin.
0: It's an Apple watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, it's uh, it's perf- not perfecting, but uh, making process better and better, it, it, making it more streamlined, finding a better way every single time. And, and when that all comes together, the results you know, speak for themselves. So um, it should be expected. If you have a good process, it should be expected. So um, the, the better you can make things, the better you can um, uh, fine tune things around you uh, automate things as much as you can. Um, you know, always finding the next thing or the next edge is, you know, motivating to me. Um, but you know, as far as like the, 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 you know, not, not the Rolexes and the cars and stuff, I think the most important part about that is, you know, I, have not that I've had millions of sports cards or anything like that, but I think that once you get there, once you do that kind of stuff, it, it's cool for like, Six months or a year, but then you realize, like, you know, like, what's the point?
0: What's next? Yeah,
1: yeah. You might as well like focus on on things that matter. And for everybody, that's different. You know, you've got the bachelor lifestyle where that that could, you know, be a, a focal point for you. However, you know, once you start to you know have kids, in my case, it starts to become more important to think back to your childhood. What was fun for you? What was the memories that you still remember today? For me. You know, my grandmother was was fortunate that she was uh, cutting hair and uh, was her own businesswoman. Bought beachfront for like seventeen thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. when my grandfather was in the war and he was sending you know money back. This and, is Pepe. Uh, yeah, man. Me- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because of that, those choices that she made, you know that that early, we were able to have our summers you know, two weeks a year on the beach. And those are my, some of my best times. Right. And, you know, so that, that kind of came full circle where we, you know, ended up getting a place near the the beach. And so you
0: think about your kids. Sure. What's that? You think about your kids the same way.
1: And and, and acquiring uh, spots that are going to create memory spots for people to come, you know, visit and things like that, where, um, you know, you, you beach and lake and, in, you know, your home, wherever it may be, the things that you do stuff, even like a mountain, you know, mountain condo for skiing, things like that. Sure. Uh, and those are always going to be good investments. And, you know, the, the thing about it is, um, you know, you can either have cash in your bank or, you know, cash in, in property. And the properties that I've acquired or the properties that I've looked at have all gone up so much, it would have been better just to buy them all. Right, uh, then, right. Then have the cash in the bank. account. Sure, so that's kind of why, or, or where my focus is, and what you know my passion is, uh, is just you know investing in potential memories later on because you know think back to your childhood, what was important, what was you know what do you remember today, and if you can do that for your kids, next generation, whatever, then I mean, what's better than that?
0: That's no, that's a very good a very good way of looking at it because I think that that uh, in the end. All we have are memories. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he well, dies you with.
1: Hard. You work hard and you play hard. So sure, you know, I literally can work hard and walk outside, walk down, and and go jump in the ocean or whatever the case may be. But sure. like you're there. You're already there. You don't have to drive there. You don't have to go and spend a weekend and do a hotel and stuff. It's you know use your money wisely. Of
0: course. Opinion. He who dies with the most toys still dies,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> as the old adage would go. All right. Um, why don't you tell me about, I mean, we know a lot of the same people and and we're part of the same circle now for almost, what, like 11 years, 10 years, something yeah. like that. Um, talk about the three people in your career that have had the greatest impact on what it is that you do and what drives
1: you. Hmm. Should I ask her for the questions ahead of
0: time? <laughs> <laughs> that would make it too easy, right? <laughs> um, you could start with one. Just think of one that really sticks out, and tell me how they impacted what you do.
1: Um, I, I think that um, there's a couple people that are um, would go unnamed, and, and I know you know who they are, um, but they they are uh, you know kind of under the radar type. They've chosen to to take the non social media route. Right.
0: Like that.
1: Um, so, you know, if I were to uh, describe two of those individuals and then I'll get to some other names, but you know, what I've, I, I took from, uh, from that is just always focus on the process, focus on risk management. Uh, it's like a, it's like a car engine. It's like a machine, you know, there's things are going to break, but you've got to change the way you've got to keep on figuring out. Um, you know how to make sure that it's running smoothly and as long as you take care of it As long as you're always fixing those leaks and, and taking care of things It's gonna run for a very very long time. So I, I think that that's a key um, takeaway uh, From one of those individuals another one is you know always adjusting that dial and you guys can figure that out of who that was for who went to traders for a cause I was on a panel <laughs> Uh, somebody was explaining, you uh, <laughs> always got to just check in with risk. You got to recheck in, uh, you know, am I size in too much? Am I, you know, is it doing what I expected? Do I have too much risk on? Should I risk down? Um, is it doing exactly what I thought and I should be, you know, cranking it up? Cranking it up, yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that was a really good key takeaway for me. But other people, um, you know, just I, I, most of the people that you know, uh, Phil and, uh, Greg and uh, you know you, you, the thing is you just take a little bit from everybody. You, in of course, Eric, who you know a lot of times would credit me with things. Um, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from from him is that next mentality. Like, screw it, you, you screwed up. Like, reset, refocus, come back the next day and, and go. And right. that was something that I always you know admired about him because you know I'd, I'd get you know smoked and the next day I'd be like, all right. 1,000 shares, you know, and and like day before I'm trading 50 or 100,000, but I'm like, all right, 1,000. And you just don't do that. You know, it's, it's, you just have to reset and get right back. You have to look at how far you've come. You have to look at, you know, um, look at the, look at the big picture. And if that big picture is doing this, then just believe in yourself and and, and go. And that's, that's what I took away from, um, you know, somebody like Eric, You've got, um, you know, Phil, one thing that I talked about in the last interview was, you know, I used to wait for this perfect setup, you know, and I was waiting for the stock to go up and then, you know, gap up the next day, open a lot higher and then potentially fade it. But it opened red. So I'm like, all right, off radar. But if you were going to, sh- if you just wanted to go up a little bit and you thought it was going to pull back five points, why are you taking it off radar? If it's down a point. There's still $4 of downside. So that was something that I saw just by watching like, okay, this guy, you know, doesn't take it off radar, even though it didn't do, you know, the, the perfect setup. Right. And there's still a lot of you know, meat on the bones, so, Of course. Uh, you know, things like that, uh, you know, you're learning every single day and uh, you could be learning and, and influenced by people that you don't even know um, just by... by silly quote, silly takeaways that, that somebody says, you are know, like, ah, you know, that makes sense. It's that, that one little key takeaway. So, um, there's just so many people, uh, that I could list off, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's about building that, that trading arsenal and, and just take a little bit about it from everybody. You know, Greg used to give me, give me crap for, you know, wiring out it all the time. And, you know, that was, that was a, a situation for me where, you know, I I literally use every square inch of my account. You know, and and that's just uh, I'm an aggressive trader. Um, if I have buying power, I use it, and that was my kind of way of controlling risk. And for me at that time, that's what you know worked for me. But uh, you know, since since then, probably about a year or two after that, I started to let things grow. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been quite a journey. It's it's been uh, it's he was right you know in the end but i just wasn't there and i didn't understand that yet and um so you know that's a great example of you know it might not make sense today but at some point once you cross that 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 path that bridge that whatever it's gonna be like ah oh, this is this is what he was talking
0: about right
1: so uh, you know it's always good to to just have those key takeaways uh, from all these different other you know people so and then the other part about that is just surrounding yourself too with, you know, I've got a couple of people um, that, uh, you know, also like to just kind of chill under the radar, but um, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. For sure. And, you know, make sure that you bring something, you know, and you should always, you know, be at the forefront, you know, offer what you can, you know, go that extra mile and, and help these other people out so that when you're, when you're asking, when you're asking the, the, dumb questions you know it's not always that you're just taking it, right so it's karma baby you want to bring what you? Did, what's that it's karma yeah exactly you know and and so make sure you find your team uh you can't do it all uh but you can definitely find people that need you and that you know you need them
0: oh for sure for sure. So I heard uh, in one of your recent interviews, I heard you say something that I never thought I would hear out of your mouth. And that is that you are starting to become a more fundamental oriented trader. Is that, is there, is there truth to that statement? In
1: 2019, <laughs> I mean, now you just have to throw away everything. Um, no, I mean, yes, you, you have to. And that's also from uh, basically reverse engineering, everything that, you know, you've got screwed on in the past, like, okay, now I know why they were short biased, you know, going back, looking at, you know, the why. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a very important part of, you know, if, if you're planning on trading something and especially once you start to use more size, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, ending up in a situation where you're down 30 or
0: 50%, you know,
1: on a, on a filing. Oh yeah. so, I like to know what I'm up against, what the potential is, uh, and then I can make a decision from there. If I, you know, if I know that the risk is there, uh, but I feel strongly about the current market we're in, the current environment, that you know this could potentially be a, a squeezer that goes 100, 200 percent, but there's that small chance that they raise. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to know that, and, and you know, I might end up taking less size, thinking. Know, bigger picture, things like that. But yeah, I always look, um, it's one of my strategies is, is related to, uh, particular filings and, you know, when there might be, uh, you know, increased supply and things like that. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's been a, a pretty big game changer as far as having conviction and patience on particular trades. So, uh, I don't dive in and look at, you know every time, you know, how much cash is left and, and, um, you know, how their last quarters were, their balance sheet, all that stuff. No, I'm not – I don't get super aggressive, uh, you know, for that. But I am familiar with it. And for the most part, I just want to see, you know, what I'm up against and and what potentially could come out that would uh, aid in the faith.
0: I find I always found this because I used to do research all the time that when you're opening up these filings, they are they are purposefully written to be confusing and, and to be as confusing as possible, oftentimes to hide issues. But the the ongoing question was always, okay, we understand what this means, but what does it mean in relation to the trade? You know, like like. Right. You you need to distill it down. You need to figure out like okay like this doesn't look great, but what does it actually mean to my thesis? What, how does it actually affect how I'm going to place this trade? Right. You know, and that's that, I think that's what ultimately separates fundamentally speaking like the men from the boys when it comes to fundamental trading um, is knowing right. how to and interpret.
1: You, you have to understand. You have to understand like if there's there's abnormal volume. Uh, What is it tracking for? You know, does what you're reading even matter if it's going to trade 300 million shares on the day? Uh, You know, things like that all play into uh, things that could potentially help you uh, determine a a bias for a particular trade.
0: Right on. Right on. Makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, 2020 was insane. 2021 has already started off insane. The markets are always changing. You know, it you know, the name of the game, you hear it over and over again in every interview, is being able to adapt to the market conditions and to be able to trade as well in a bear market as you do in a bull market. Um yep. as as somebody who has a lot of educational materials like you know, IU videos that you've done in the past, do you ever feel or do you ever fear that any of that material will lose its ability to be evergreen in rapidly changing and evolving markets or do you feel like it's mostly good for good good for the-, the foundation
1: right it comes down to having that foundation and you know you're you're without that proper foundation you're you're not going to have success in all markets anyway um so it's all you know comes down to risk management different types of setups what these setups mean how do you how do you you know how would i potentially react in certain situations and you know really how you can expand from that so In my eyes, it's it's the base foundation. Uh, I still do pretty much everything that uh, is is in them. Uh, Obviously, I've expanded uh, back in the day. I did not use Vwap. Now I do. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think that uh, it's a it's a big tool. Uh, Some of the ways that I've been uh, trading now, uh, waiting for what I would call like post exhaustion, right? Normally we might try to not necessarily find the top, but, you know, scale into, uh, you know, a a trade that's trending up, but, you know, that could be an account breaker, you know, in this market. So for me uh, really understanding that the higher these things go, the more meat is going to be on the backside. So there's really no reason for you to try to find the top. You know, I'd rather be 50 cents of you know late than you know two three or five dollars um, too early. So uh, I think that it all comes down to having that base process and then just expanding your playbook from from there. So you know, I'd love to do you know another educational you know video series. and I'd love to. I, I would love to like just there's just so much more, but I just, <laughs> it's just not worth it. you know there's right. just not enough time in the day. Right. You know, I can't like make sense of, of doing something like that, uh, when the market is as good as it is, uh, it's not
0: a good use of time.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah. But I mean, there's just so much that you can, uh, and, and I try to on, you know, the Sunday scans and things like that. I I try to share some of that stuff that can give people a a base, um, to, to at least, you know, Oh, I'm going to, you know, look into that and then see if that, you know, helps. But, um, you know, at, at some point, maybe one day, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I, I'd love to do different, like what you're doing interviews, pull out these different, you know, tidbits from everybody, you know, with right. the more that you do, I'll be watching them because look, if you, if you pull one thing from everybody that you interview, you're going to be a better trader. Of course. Uh, and the same thing when we did uh, project, when we did the, uh, COVID event, when we did BCRF event, the, the two virtual events, look, you could, you could say you're, you're too good. And not show up and not watch. Or you could come and see what one takeaway you can could, you could pull from everybody. You don't know what they're going to say. And it could be that one little thing that literally changes how you trade from that point forward and makes you a better trader. So um, you know,
0: We talk about that with services. We would have this conversation all the time because – you know, I'll just throw out an example. Seeking Alpha Pro, I don't even know if it's still expensive. At one point, it was extremely expensive for what it was. But the logic was is that you pile into one trade that works. You just paid for it for the year. For exactly. So, so,
1: that's a very similar, it's very similar with, with different services, different things that you could pay for. You know, yeah, you look at the price, you're like... Who the heck would pay that? But <laughs> when you think about that one trade per month that you make, right? You know, one trade is ten X what you're paying, or whatever it may be. Absolutely, and uh, no, I, I agree. And, and you know, that's that's something that I, I do, um, and you know, automate some of those things. But uh, it's uh, it's look. I, I remember traders for cause in in Vegas, and I was sitting next to, to Greg, and he's you know, <laughs> really writing down everything we're saying, like the- he does. <laughs> But he's literally the best trader that I know probably has more money than everybody in the room combined. And he's taking notes, learning, trying to become better, which is amazing in itself. But at the same time, it's, it's like, you know, that, that's why he is where he's at because he's not too proud to learn something new from somebody that's trading for fun.
0: The most successful traders that I know and you're, you would be included in this group, you guys absolutely work your asses off. And, and anybody who thinks that they don't is pushing a facade like the, you know, the, the, the people that, that make it look easy are not as successful as they claim to be. There's no way. There's, there, it just doesn't exist. I mean, you, you could be incredibly lucky maybe two or three times, but, uh, but ultimately it, it's, it's about hard work.
1: Right. You can, you can definitely do it for income. You can definitely you know, get rich. But if you want to build wealth, if you want to continue building wealth, compounding and things like that, um, it's, it's not something that you can just show up and, and uh, you know, I've, I've often compared it because um, I know everybody loves Brady, but, you know, um, you know, do you think he just shows up and wins Super Bowls, right? I mean, if you look at, uh, was it Tom, I think it was Tom vs. Time. Have you ever seen that I, uh, the Facebook series that he had done?
0: I, I did not, but, but I, I think I know where you're
1: going with this. Oh. You were too proud because you were a, you were a uh, <laughs> you're from Philly. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know
1: you should check it out. <laughs> and it just goes to show you, though, that like I mean, he's literally with his coach, you know, working his for like working this one little kink out of his arm to, to perfect the 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 thrug. Sure. And it's like those little tiny changes, just like us changing stoppers or fills or whatever it may be. It's all these little tweaks that will make you. Right. And most people just want to show up and, you know, play the game or show up and trade. Sure. But it's the little tweaks that are going to like take you from here to, you know, literally wherever you want to go.
0: I'm, I'm totally with you. So I we, we mentioned in that uh, last bit, uh, Traders for a Cause. So uh, we should probably take the opportunity in the first Traders for a Cause podcast to talk briefly about Traders for a Cause and what it is that we do, where we see it going, and what we're planning for this year, uh, in addition to the podcast, uh, we are looking at a springtime event, uh, which we've done, we did last year with the COVID uh, benefit. So we'll probably pick another one and do that in April and uh, thinking of uh, doing it virtually again, obviously. And I guess it's still up in the air with Vegas, right? Like we're still kind of on the fence, not sure what's going to happen, <laughs> leaning virtual.
1: I think, I think it's going to be hard for people to commit by June, right. or July, like yes, I'm going. Right. So you know, my you no, know, I, I think they'll both be uh, virtual. But I, I mean, I, I can't wait to get together. I can't wait to have you know more little uh, more little get-togethers. Whether it's you know Miami or go skiing one year, all all different things. So like smaller. Um, I've already been pitched about Puerto Rico um, with one of my buddies there and saying and all this like a, a much smaller, close knit type of uh, event there.
0: A, tro- a tropical get <laughs> traders for a cause, Puerto Rico I, I like the sound of that <laughs> God, this winter, man, I'll tell you, whew, if you're in the northeast, this has not been a this has not been a fun one for at all, but uh, yeah, so yeah, with Vegas, we can't commit at this point. it's gonna be tough because we have a lot of uh, contracts to get into and stuff to be able to make that happen, but I do feel that Trails for Cause has experienced a different kind of growth that we never saw before in 2020. And that's just with you know doing these free events that have just raised such, we've broken all of our fundraising records, uh, reached an entire new audience. My prediction is that people are dying to get together, as you said. My prediction is is once once we go back to Vegas, I think we're gonna blow the doors off of it. I think we're gonna maybe even double the, the attendance that we've had. It
1: great. I, I mean, it, it's a blessing in disguise. You know, granted, it was a, a horrible you know, thing to, to happen to the world, but it, it really opened our eyes to the possibilities and like how we can uh, reach, you know, thousands of. I mean, we might have a couple hundred go out to Vegas, but we, we literally had tens of thousands, you know, almost 10,000 or whatever uh, that had signed up for. Uh, you know, the, the other events. So so that alone was, was amazing. And now all those other people know about it. Absolutely. Uh, and potentially might come out to Vegas. And you know, a lot of people don't, you know, they get nervous to come out there, meet the other people for the first time. But um, as you know, uh, I think probably what 80% of people end up returning every single year.
0: Oh, absolutely. They, uh, if,
1: if, Oh you
0: go. If if they can afford it, I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back, uh, you know, you and I have kind of been the the this has been our brainchild and our project for years now. Uh I have yet to talk to anybody who didn't just absolutely have a blast, you know, that that loved every everything about it and um, and I don't think I mean it certainly uh takes a lot of planning and organization to make it happen, but I think that truthfully, it's the community of traders that really make it what it is. And, and it's kind of hard to describe.
1: You build the bond with people in person that you literally trade with every single day. Or right. You don't have that yet. Right? right. And that I think was the, the biggest part. And I'll tell you that some of the, the people that I was mentioning, uh, unnamed, but also named, they all go. And, um, I think that built our relationships better. You get to see these people in person and, um, I, I, it, it was very important for, for my own group. And, um, you know, if, if, if we didn't do that it, and I don't just go to ours, you know, if there's other ones, like we went to the Benzinga ones, I used to go to Sykes. Yeah. There's just many different ways to meet different people. Sure. I mean, it, it that is the way to, to do it in my opinion is, is just keep on expanding your, your network.
0: You know, Absolutely. And, and just keep well, on- you and I never would have met if it weren't for Sykes' conference. That, I mean, no.
1: I was thinking of something, uh, Alex, uh, that that did the uh, interview for us uh, last year for Tradersburg for Cause. Yeah. Uh, I, he had mentioned he just interviewed uh, Mason Riley, uh, mm-hmm. like last week, and you know I was kind of inspired by by him. He just, you know, off the cuff donated two hundred fifty grand to um, to the Barstool
0: Barstool Fund. Barstool
1: Fund. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was like. You know, that, that's, a, that's an aggressive move. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to find people that are that, that charitable. And I was, I, I wanted to hear more about a story, you know, I knew he had been successful and, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, he came in through that same, you know, through, through sites and, you know, back in the day, um, you know, had, had found my blog and, and kind of put me on the map a little bit with, with his subscribers. I went to one of his things. I met Eric Wood. My <laughs> right on. You know? On. Um, you know, I always, I always give Tim crap for being a, a loud mouth, but you know, <laughs> without his loud mouth, I mean, I would have never met Greg, Eric, you. right? Um, I mean, you got to remember your roots and where you came from and, and who made the most noise. Um, but a, a lot of us in a lot of these relationships are, you know, from either that conference, Traders for a Cause. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the truth, meeting these people in person
0: vegas i i am I will reminisce and and wax nostalgic that I remember at the Sykes conference you and I sitting down. I think we like went to some like fast food place for to grab a quick bite for lunch, and we literally we came up with the idea of doing a charity conference on the back of a napkin, like quite literally we're just sitting there talking about it. We're like we've been coming to these things. let's do something that that you know we can yeah. parlay this. Yeah, and make it charitable, and and it's been such a crazy ride. Uh, I can't believe what nice we've done.
1: Captain. Maybe we can it off. <laughs>
0: I'll look. I'll dig around for it. But uh, I think we got to wrap it up here. But uh, this is great. I mean, I I, I couldn't be happier with how our, uh, the first uh, triggers for Cause podcast has gone, and hopefully, I can get uh, others that are uh, as easy. You're a very easy interview. Um, hopefully the The rest that I that I schedule will be uh, as smooth, but um, I appreciate your time. No, pressure anything
1: that <laughs> no. Then get asked by Zach next. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah, it helps that I know you so well. Obviously, you know not only with uh, with the way we interact, but the the questions they they flow easier for me to you. There's but
1: we uh, do this too, and, and I just have done one with uh, Alex and Phil, which was really fun too. So. You know, maybe we do a couple of us you know three four of us at times with a group you start to go back and forth and all of a sudden the conversation takes on um you know it, it goes off by itself it, it
0: goes off in a million tangents
1: yeah you can pull a lot from it so
0: i can imagine that happening with with uh canny you know if i get canny on here
1: <laughs> if, if you have him on there you need a little like a square tally
0: <laughs> that's a that's actually a great idea. I'm going to get him and Fami. We're going to get them both on the Charities for a cause podcast. We'll make it a special episode of their own podcast. A swear. a swear off, <laughs> a swear off, yeah. and and maybe you know throw a charity spin on it somehow. That would actually be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Place pets ahead of time.
1: Well, we just have Greg donate. We just have Greg donate. <laughs>
0: There you go. That's how we'll do it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And uh, Nate, thank you for being here for my first show. You're you're an incredible human being. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess I have to think of like some clever like tagline way to sign off. So maybe we'll just start with something very generic and say, in the meantime, trade, profit, and make a difference. Does that work? There you
1: go. That sounds like a good slogan for motto.
0: <laughs> it's a good idea, right? Real original.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Take care.